This week on Personally Speaking, our guest is Father Stephen Gadbury. You'll know him from American Ninja, a great story about a great vocation, a wonderful priest. Stay with us. Hello and welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti, and Father Stephen Gadbury joins me now. Father Gadbury is a priest for the Diocese of Little Rock in Arkansas, who was profiled in the Word on Fire Institute's documentary, The Making of a Catholic Priest, which made its world premiere on YouTube in May of 2022. The documentary focuses on Father Gadbury's religious duties, growing up on a small farm in Arkansas Delta, and serving in the U.S. Air Force in the Iraq War. But it isn't the first time he's been on television. Father Gadbury competed on the NBC show American Ninja Warrior in 2018 and 2020, wearing his clergy shirt and Roman collar. Father Stephen Gadbury was ordained on May 28th of 2016 and is currently serving as pastor of St. Teresa Catholic Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. And he's passionate about fitness, music, archery, and hunting. He is here with us today to talk about his life, his priestly vocation, and how his faith has been part of his decision to become a Catholic priest. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, Father Stephen Gadbury. Father Stephen Gadbury is our guest. Thanks for coming on Personally Speaking. It's a delight to have you. And let me begin by sharing with our listeners and watchers around the world that, uh, as far as I know, St. Teresa, St. Cecilia, St. Mary's are three parishes that you have been responsible for. Stephen, let's start there. What kind of people come to the churches that you've been privileged to be a part of? Hey, Monsignor, first of all, thanks for the, the invite. I'm excited to be here. Finally, we got this to work out. Yes. Um, th- these parishes that I've been serving um, for the previous five years, St. Mary's and St. Cecilia's were um, just blue collar uh, working residents from Arkansas. Now I'm in Little Rock, Arkansas. It's, of course, a huge city, the state capital. But the parish is located on the southwest corner, which is kind of the old blue-collar working community. It used to be the blue-collar Anglo community. Now it's predominantly Latino uh, influence. Uh, wow. So it's all those parishes, the common denominator has sort of been the blue-collar, just, just good old folk, which is kind of like who I am and how I grew up. So right. it's perfect. Now, Father Stephen Gadbury is part of the Diocese of Little Rock, Arkansas, as he mentioned. And one of the ways I had uh, been reading about you lately, Stephen, was the uh, article in Extension magazine mm-hmm. about the amazing success that your diocese has in doing what many larger dioceses have not been able to do, which is to uh, attract vocations to the priesthood and religious life. Do you have any idea why so many young men have stepped forward to serve the church in Little Rock when it hasn't been that successful in other parts of the country? Yeah, great question, Monsignor. You know, the first thing, and I'm not saying this just because it's an obligatory answer, is that, uh, you know, the Lord still calls, and you know this, He's still calling men and women just like He has for the history of, of creation, for the history of humanity. The beautiful thing here that I think really 
has fostered those vocations is that, of course, the Lord is calling, but there's really a culture here amongst the the presbyterate and the lay faithful that fosters a listening ear. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, the the pace of life, the the culture here in the in Arkansas, and it's kind of common across these southern states. It's just this, not to over over stereotypify, but but sort of like the this casual front porch way of living, just slow mm-hmm. down and it's going to work out, which I think it kind of opens up the heart to to listen and to to hear stories, to be patient, and and out of that comes you know of course uh, these young men and women who are hearing. But one of the, some of the practical ways that we experience that is, um, I, I would say, unconditional support from our bishop and the presbyterate as soon as we begin the formation process. So before we are even ordained, we're taken in really under their wings. And so instead of thinking of these six to eight years of just trial and, and, and testing and formation, and then mm-hmm. maybe we'll get to be with those guys in the ranks, we're accepted in from the beginning. So we feel welcomed and, su- and supported which then makes it easier for us to deeply enter the formation process. And the other thing is um, just the lay faithful here. They're just excited. They're so excited to see guys and and young ladies too, who are considering vocations to priesthood and religious life. So that's kind of a long winded answer. Just this, yeah, this culture that really um, promotes a listening ear. Father Stephen Garber is our guest. Stephen, you know, I believe that the family of origin is, is also central to Mm -hmm. the call. And, uh, you know, we've mentioned in the introduction some of what you've come from in terms of your background, but you're Stephen Gadbury, and I want to talk a little bit about uh, the original Steve, and mm-hmm. that is to say your dad who died in that car accident back in mm-hmm. the 1990s. Who was the man? What did you get from him? What seeds did he plant in you that gave you the values you have today? This man who is the, the missing dad from your life for quite a mm-hmm. while now obviously had a powerful impact. What did he bring into your life? What do you treasure in terms of looking back on what's my father done with his life and how did it impact on me? Yeah, fantastic question. You've got a lot of great questions already. You know, my dad died when I was eight years old. We were in a vehicle accident. He and my older sister both passed away. I was eight. My dad was only 32. My older sister was 11. And my little sister, she was three. My little sister and I both survived. And so, you know, for an eight-year-old, pretty much anyone under 10, I'd say at least, their parents are still their heroes. You know, as we grow older, of course, we love our parents. But in a child's eye, their parent is, they're the, the the most important person in the world. And so, in a way, I only have fond memories of my father um, because, you know, such a young, young age, you, you don't really care about their imperfections. And a couple of things that, that my young brain and my young heart took away from my father was his, um, his, his, just how sociable and amiable he was. He he never met a stranger. He had a witty sense of humor. He was hardworking and he was very passionate about what he did. Mm-hmm. He was all in, all in mm-hmm. uh, for whatever he was doing, whether he was working at the radio station, DJing a party or doing work, you know, at, at, you know on houses afterwards or, or things in the family, you know. So those were some things that, for my my child's heart, my childhood heart that I remember of my dad, just this this openness to the stranger in his midst and uh, the desire to be all in and passionate about whatever he was doing. The final thing that I really took away f- from my dad um, would be just his his sense of fidelity 
to what, what he was doing or the people he was with. And that was, as I'm older now, I can see that as a strength, but also a weakness to if, um, if somebody burnt a bridge or hurt him, but more importantly, if somebody hurt somebody that he loves, you would see just a kind of this wolf come out of him <laughs> to, to defend or this, this guard dog to defend his flock, maybe a more like a guard dog than a wolf, but defending his flock for any attack from the outside. Um, so those are a few things I take away from my dad. All right. Now let's talk about the impact that your sister and your dad pass away in this, uh, unexpected and horrific accident. Now, Father Stephen Gabarius, I guess, I, I'm guessing, because I, I haven't gone through an experience quite like that, but I would imagine that in our relationship with God, there's a lot of uh, why God, why? And mm-hmm. uh, greater man as he was in the short life that he lived, it would have been nice to have him even longer. So do you remember you or your mom or anybody else in the family reacting to the deaths of two people you love? with anger like i think if we need to shake our fist in god's face he's fine with that that's what love people do they just love you no matter what so i think god would have understood if we were angry were you ever in the process of grieving angry at god for the loss of your dad i I don't think so early on in in some ways recently especially i've taken since i've taken on this much larger parish and really entered into being you know this pastoral ministry um, I, I, some anger has come out towards God, but not, and it would be, I guess what would, it would be the frustration would be kind of these ongoing wounds that I have because of the absence of my father, my dad dying young in particular, like one that comes to mind, I'm just being very vulnerable is, is that when my dad died, you know, I kind of immediately became the man of the house. My grandparents really did a, an amazing job. And some uncles did an amazing job with my mother. So they're really the the unsung heroes in this, my mom, my grandfather, my uncles, grandmother. Um, but in my child's heart, I did not want to be a burden because I come from a very poor family and everyone worked as hard as they could to do what they could to contribute to the common good of the family, you know. And I was aware of that from a very young age. And I found and I still find a lot of joy in providing for my loved ones, whether it be my family, my friends, or my parishioners. But now to take it back to your question, kind of a way that I can get frustrated with God now is, Mm -hmm. is that it's hard for me to ask for help. I feel like so often I have to do it alone, or if I ask for help, that I'm just being a burden. So this lie that, that Satan has, has kind of put into me through that, that Mm -hmm. I am a burden. If, if I ask for help or ask for favors or ask for assistance and that's kind of where I get mad at God but um, now because I'm, I'm just like, Lord, would you just heal me of this? And um, so that's that's kind of a little struggle I still have. Please stay with us. We'll be back with more of our interview with Father Stephen Gadbury in just a moment. I was actually raised in the Catholic Church. I, I um, went to grade school uh, through sixth grade, and pretty much about the time I went to high school, um, I stopped attending church and really didn't think much more about it for a number of years. The return to church, the Catholic Church, was somewhat of an evolution. I thought I knew what the Catholic Church believed and taught, but uh, learned very quickly from somebody who knew far more about the Bible than I ever hoped to know. Uh, I 
I learned that the Catholic Church, what it truly taught, and that that's where I needed to be. I'm a recovered alcoholic and drug addict. Without God in my life, I'd probably be dead. God has literally saved my life. I feel like I'm truly on the road to um, the fulfillment of, of really all of my desires, uh, which is ultimately to spend eternity in heaven with myself and my family. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome back to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Masanti. Delighted to have with us Father Stephen Gadbury. Uh, one of the superheroes in Father Stephen Gadbury's life is very clearly his mom. So here's the situation for our listeners and viewers that she's lost her young husband. She's lost her daughter. And on top of that, she's expecting a child. No, twins, in fact. She's got two children who survived, and she's also got twins on the way. A remarkable woman. But I have to say to myself, how in the world did she go on? How, how did she say, I'm not going to uh, get caught up in my grief and be paralyzed, but I have a family to run and I'm going to do what I have to do. Your mom, very obviously from everything you've said before, Stephen, is a person with amazing wells of unconditional love and devotion. I asked you before to explain what your father meant to you. What does your mom mean to you? Yeah, she, she will, um, like a, um, Let's see. I'm not belittling my mother, but like a, a faithful work animal, <laughs> a faithful work animal will work until it's literal death mm. to, to do what it has to do. You know, um, as long as it's as long as there's still work to do, the animal will work until it literally dies in the field. My mother will do whatever love requires. Mm. And, and that's really a mark that that she's taught me. She, when it comes to doing what love requires, she doesn't count. And she just, she just does and gives, which is this, she, what she has taught me is just this immense grit, which, which is usually not a, a trait that a lot of mothers, usually the gentleness, um, this loving, you know, attention um, is what we get from our mothers. And my mother had that, but the thing that motivated her to continue to love us in that gentle way was the fact that she didn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. And even if she did, she wouldn't have taken no for an answer. And so uh -huh. she's, she's really instilled in me this, this grit that, that has shown me and taught me how to dig deep whenever love requires it. Okay. But uh, uh, coupled with that, whether it's your mom or specifically you, it's very easy to take that grit, that devotion, that unstoppable quality, mm -hmm. applying it to ministry, mm -hmm. uh, find yourself unable to slow down, take time for yourself and replenish. So Stephen, how do you, uh, this goes to what I'll, I'll lead into the question to celibacy, but how do you remind yourself that you really can't be of much value to the people of God if you don't first take care of Stephen? My senior, that's, uh, I'm still learning that. I, <laughs> I continually run myself into the dirt um, but luckily just over these last couple of years, there's been a lot of healing taking place in my heart. That's, that's told me, Stephen, mm. it's, it's okay to stop. It's okay to take a break. It's okay to say no. There were some words that my spiritual director in minor seminary told me countless times, but I never, I never really understood them until as of late, 
he always said leisure is not a luxury it's a responsibility leisure is not a luxury it's a responsibility and before i thought okay yeah that's you know i get it but i got work to do and whenever i get the work done then i'll do some leisure. but i'm learning now that it's okay to take a break it's okay to take a break so i really don't have a question or an answer to that question monsignor other than i'm still crashing and burning on a regular basis and 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 just through that, I'm learning every time just a little bit a little bit more how to have better boundaries in that. But I still struggle with that one immensely. Father Stephen Gabber is our guest, and if you know anything about Father Stephen, you would have to know that he's very big into staying healthy and exercising every day. And we mentioned earlier in the introduction about his presence on American Ginger Ninja. Pardon me, uh, but I ask you that because I used to more than I do now because I have been recent years taking care of my mom, but. I used to for a long time go out around the country to give clergy conferences all over the country. Mm. I love doing that because I love the priesthood and I love my brother priest. But I would say that, Father Stephen, there's a lot of us out there who uh, don't give a thought to exercise or diet or taking their pills on time or staying in shape. It's Mm -hmm. almost as if they don't realize that uh, the healthier you are, the more you can give in the long run. You've made a commitment to good health and exercise. I'm just wondering, do you have any insight into why many of our brothers mm-hmm. really don't seem to care about that? And I guess that's my leading question, too. Yeah. I notice in my parish, I'm parish of 3,000 families, that uh, a lot of these men, my the husbands and fathers in my parish, grandpas, they're alive because they have a wife who says, honey, did you take your pills? Did you go to the doctor? Did you take a walk today? Did you exercise? Mm-hmm. Might we be in better shape if we had wives, Stephen, to help us along? So, or somebody to hold us accountable. I, I, we, we need that, that point of accountability. I think, unfortunately, one of the reasons that it's kind of cast aside by many of our brothers is because of this hypersexualized society in which we live, where if there's any attention given to the body, it automatically takes a sexual connotation, which couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, sure, sex is a part of human biology, but it's not the only mm-hmm. part health and well-being, fitness, general preparedness for life, and, and overall well-being is is probably more important than the sexual aspect because somebody that's terribly out of shape and, you know, not to get too graphic or whatever, you know, but just biologically, if someone is terribly out of shape and then their sex life is going to be terribly affected. Like, so it's, it's like, the, the, but the point I'm making is this over-sexualization of this hypersexualized culture that we live in, I think can create a, a sort of reservation amongst many of us because we don't, I mean, every priest I know, I mean, none of us are perfect, but we're, we're, we're generally doing the best we can to be professional, to be happy, healthy, and holy. Sometimes that comes with the cost of our own physical well-being because we don't want people to read into that and project into it that, oh, father is exercising because he wants to look attractive or father is mm-hmm. exercising because he he maybe wants to, um, you know, keep a second option open if priesthood doesn't work out or something. Just absurd things that can go into the mind, you know. So I think one of the reasons is probably because of of that um, uh, a fear of what other mm-hmm. people are going to think. I think another thing also comes down to our love for ministry that is misunderstood. And what I mean is all of us, like we want to love and serve our people. We want to say yes. We want to be of assistance and help. But the danger is the the whole Messiah complex to think that salvation depends on me. 
And so therefore, if I take an hour out of my day to exercise, that's one hour of soul saving that I didn't do, mm-hmm. which from my short experiences in ministry, my short time in priesthood, almost you know, nine years now is that couldn't be farther from the truth. It's, it's, it's done nothing but give more life to those other areas of ministry by taking that hour, 30 minutes, whatever it may be. Um, so I think a, a part of it is a fear of what other people are going to think. Another part right. of it is this, this thought that this is an hour lost of ministry yeah. instead of uh, hours multiplied in ministry. You're reminding me just by that explanation. I had a good friend who would exercise every day. And his archbishop called him in one day and said, uh, why do you go to the gym? And who are you saving that body for? And the immediate estimate was that he wants to look good because he wants to in some way be unfaithful, which was quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. But you're reminding me of uh, something that your age, Father Stephen Gadbury is our guest, is uh, making me wonder about your own choice to be caught part of our family of the church as a priest right now. Father Stephen, when I was uh, ordained in the last century, honest to God, I, I didn't know anything about the potential or actual scandals that may have been going on in the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I just recently did a session of pre-Cana, when I asked the young people why they're not going to church, that came up time and time again, that they're appalled by the scandal. And I said, well, so am I. Yeah. But you've come into uh, this vocation knowing full well the level of the scandals, mm-hmm. and you still said yes to the invitation of the Lord to this vocation. I've asked myself sometimes uh, back in the 80s when I was ordained the last century, if I knew then, would I have said yes? And I'm not sure because it's, to me, still so appalling that some brothers could do this, that some bishops could cover up. You knew the truth and you still said yes. Why are the scandals not off-putting enough that you would say no thank you? Yeah, fantastic. You've put so much thought into these questions. God is so good. And love will make us do crazy things. And 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 that's kind of the, the short answer to it. But I'm just thinking of any parent now that has had a broken family, which is pretty much every parent, right. or a problem with their child or something or a sibling. Um, which parent would not go out of their way to seek reconciliation, to mm-hmm. to to love the wounded member? And so I think in a similar way, the Lord has put this calling on our hearts and giving us a particular grace to have that paternal love for a wounded and broken and hurt family, which it, it should be wounded and hurt because of those atrocities and um, never are they permissible or accessible or or allowed. Um, And so I think that just this grace that the Lord has given to, to, to love that is this desire to love Whenever, regardless of the calls, as I mentioned earlier with my mom, to do what love requires and and to not count the costs. Um, to couple that, you didn't include this in the question, but to couple it with the previous little part on health and well-being is, um, it's I mean it's so important for us to have a, a balanced life, and um, any of those sins, or I mean they're they're disordered is what they are, and so. The more order we can have in our life, the more discipline we can have in our life, usually it doesn't guarantee good things, but it does create a sort of foundation on which virtue and, you know, it's that virtue that that you're trying to establish in all these areas of your life, every controllable area. So that when uncontrollable things come, you're still on some sort of sturdy foundation. And out of that, of course, grace, grace flows. Grace builds on nature, you know, so. 
Um, uh, I, I think the kind of those couple things that the, the grace that the Lord gives to love, regardless of the cost and, and, and the, uh, just the desire to, to have a, a healthy foundation in other areas of life gets me through that. Father Stephen Gadbury is our guest. And, you know, for those who don't know, Father Stephen goes to high school. At the end of high school, he is convinced by grandparents and his mom, you must go to college. He doesn't <laughs> want to go to college, but he goes for a year. And after a year, he knows this is not for him. And he enters the U.S. Air Force. What's striking to me about that is not unlike a lot of people I know, college, not for me, not for me, not for me. After the Air Force, Stephen decides he's called to priesthood. And he goes on to collect a bunch of higher degrees and go to college and graduate school to study theology and philosophy. What happened to Stephen Gadbury, who had no interest in college at one point? What happened while you were in the military to make you say, <laughs> I want to learn? The, um, I'd say probably the fear of getting kicked out of the military. So when I went <laughs> in, I, I went in to do a, a pretty intense special operations job. And because I, I thought it was going to be really fun, which it would have. Uh, and if, side note, if I went into that, I, it's possible that I may not have been open or disposed to the voice of the Lord because I would have loved doing what I was doing so much. So I went in for this job and eventually got washed out a couple of days before the course actually finished. And if I and so the military put me into another job, I had to go through other training. It was logistics is what I got put into. Mm -hmm. If I would have failed out of that, I would have gotten a dishonorable discharge. And that scared the dickens out of me <laughs> that fear is not it's not always the best motivator. But I'll be honest, I grew up. I'm, I'm a young guy, part of this new generation, but I was fortunate enough to grow up in a very rural, conservative Arkansas farm family, German farm family. And for better, or for worse, part of the ways that my mom and grandparents kept me in line was fear. I want to thank Father Stephen Gadbury. Stephen, I have to tell you, as a priest at this for a long time, uh, your spirit of, uh, of trust in God, trust in Our Lady, your love for the church and serving God's people, your willingness to admit that you don't have all the answers and that the uh, the journey always includes a continual search. Your trust in God, your your commitment to unconditional love. You give a guy like me, uh, who's coming toward the end of the experience, so much hope. And uh, thank you for that. Thank you for all that you do and will continue to do. And uh, thank you from me personally for your yes to the Lord's invitation. Thanks, Monsignor. God is so good. And as Catherine Arsena said, you know, be who God has made you to be and you'll set the world on fire. You're the only you in the universe. And that can be intimidating, but that's also very exciting. And that God who made you has a plan for you. And we just got to keep turning the page of that book and, and wait for the next adventure. So thank you so much, Monsignor. This was a joy. I want to thank you for being with us on Personally Speaking. If you need to reach me for any reason, you can write me at personallyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. You probably listen to this program on the Catholic Channel, Channel 129. You can also watch us on YouTube at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Lasanti. Uh, we're also on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Lasanti, as well as Instagram at Personally Speaking Podcast. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, Personally Speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jadovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking. <laughs>